Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this, the second edition, edition of E.W. Jackson for America. Brand new format, brand new program. I'm glad to be with you at an historic moment, as a matter of fact, because, of course, yesterday were the midterm elections of 2022, and uh, we were all expecting a red wave, a tsunami, and it didn't happen. It really didn't happen. And I want to talk a little bit about that. First of all, I want to encourage you, first and foremost. Ask me, how are you feeling? I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. I was hoping for something different, hoping for a sea change that didn't happen. However, I'm not sad. I'm not depressed. I'm not down. I will lay down the night and sleep like a baby, as I always do, because my hope is in Jesus Christ. My hope is not in politics. I believe politics is important. We must be engaged. We must be involved. And by the way, once all the dust settles and we find out how these races all shake down, the outcome may be very, very good, just not as big as we expected. It's likely that the Republican Party will take the House, even though and that was not as much a fait accompli as we thought. And they could take the Senate as well. Republicans could take the Senate as well. So this is still very much up in the air. And what we've got to do is just continue to be prayerful and, and watch things, but not allow ourselves to get into despair uh, or hopelessness. In many ways, this election indicates the country is moving in the right direction. And today, before we end the program today, I'm going to say a word of prayer with you uh, because I, I, I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be strong. We still are likely to have a runoff in Georgia. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, folks. Terrible. You never sneeze on television, but here again, <laughs> it's live TV. If we were taping, that would probably be taken out. But we're going to have a runoff in Georgia, and it is going to have to be all hands on deck, supporting Herschel Walker, contributing to him. In other words, this, this election is going to be extended for another month. Uh, because of the Georgia race, because it's very, very important. Republicans have no hope of taking the Senate if they don't win in Georgia. And right now, in order to take the, the because we lost a seat, Toomey left in Pennsylvania, and of course, Fetterman picked up a seat in, picked up that seat, he has now won in Pennsylvania, defeated Oz. And so now, that means we've got to pick up three seats in order to take the Senate, two seats in order to break even, in order to have uh, uh, go back to the 50-50 split, maybe control of the House. So it's not, it's not a horrible outcome, and I think it, we, we are only disappointed, obviously, because the hype for a wave was so great that we were all expecting that, that the American people were going to reject the Biden administration and the Democrat policies because they're, frankly, wrecking the country. But that's all rational and logical thinking, and I'm going to get into that in a second, that we may be expecting too much <laughs> to, to think that, that uh, people are going to react rationally and logically uh, to the circumstances that we confront. And I'll tell, and, and tell you why. It's not because they're dumb. It's not because it, it, I'll get into it. Before I do that, let me just remind you, on... 
Saturday, November the 19th, we are holding our very first Youth Taking a Stand conference. Reform Youth Taking a Stand because we realize we have got to get to our young people. We've got to reach them. We've got to touch their hearts. We've got to turn them around. And this is the beginning of that process for us. And so I would invite you to encourage your young person, primarily ages 18 to 30, but younger can sign up, uh, can old people older than that can sign up. We're not restricting anybody, but that's our target audience, 18 to 30. Go to our website, standamerica.us, and you can just click on the registration page and sign up there. Uh, we invite you to come and be a part. In fact, let me um, go to the, um, the flyer and give you all the information. I didn't do this yesterday. So it's November the 19th, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Speakers include yours truly, of course, Rachel Bovard of the Heritage Foundation, Kristen Hawkins, Students for Life, Pastor T.J. Grooms of New Beginnings Church in Chicago, Al Evans, who is the National Youth Taking Stand President, Gabrielle Hope, who is the Mississippi Vice President of you think it's Stan. Connor Thomas, who's the Virginia Vice President, also my operations assistant. Sarita Brown, who is the Massachusetts Vice President. And Nicholas Frappier, who is the Texas Vice President. The, the Executive Committee will be speaking. They'll have a panel discussion. These are all young people. I think the oldest of them is about 22. Uh, you'll have an opportunity to talk to them and hear their thoughts and their insights about what is going on. I think you'll find it very encouraging your young person, your child, your grandchild, uh, who, you know, probably 13, no younger than 13 years old, but they need to be able to understand the issues and be interested, obviously. Um, so I'll, I'll leave it to you all to judge how young that is for the most part. Like I said, our target ages are 18 to 30, but we're not restricting uh, younger kids from joining in because we want them to hear this stuff. We want them to be a part of it. Uh, we want them to be thinking through these issues because they're already likely experiencing peer pressure and most of their peers are way out on the left. So we'll, we'll be glad to have them join in, but we'll leave that to you as parents and grandparents to determine what's appropriate for them. Uh, but again, that's November the 19th at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Go to standamerica.us, standamerica.us to register to sign up for this great event. It is gonna be a great event, folks. Probably gonna last a couple of hours, may go to three, but uh, it, believe me, it'll, it'll be jam-packed with very, very good information. Okay, so that's, I, I wanted to get that out of the way so that you would, we, you know, we, we really wanna get that going. We really wanna get as many young people as we can. And given this election, we really do need to reach the young people. And th this, is, this, is for, this is about, look, the, the, the fight that I am engaged in is not so much about me because the reality is I'm not going to be here that much longer. I mean, I'm expecting to live a long, full life, but my goodness gracious, I'm not going to live another 70 years. But these young people will be around another 50, 60 years, maybe 70 in some cases. This is really about them, ultimately. It's about the kind of country they're going to have. So I, I can't stress enough. Please spread the word. Uh, go on the website. I don't know how you can grab the information, but, but we'll try to figure out a way to make sure that you can link it 
and send it off to others so that they can they can get it and see it and, and uh, share it with their their young people because we're depending a lot on parents who are probably watching me now and listening to me on the radio to talk to their young people most of whom probably are not watching me or listening on the radio although I'd love to have more young people watching me believe me so if you're 13 14 15 16 17 18 19 if you're under 30 and you're watching me email me ewjackson at ewjackson.com ewjackson at ewjackson.com just say hey, bishop jackson I'm, i've been I'm, I'm watching and i i'm listening and I, I really appreciate what you're doing believe me that does my heart good because here again you all are who we're really fighting for now i care about what the country looks like for the rest of my life too but my point is <laughs> i don't have nearly as long to live as these young people who are going to be conducting this conference okay because it's really their conference i'm speaking obviously as the founder of stan and kind of the overseer of you taking a stand, but this is their thing, and we want you to hear from them. And we want to hear from you, because during the panel discussion, there'll be opportunities for questions and answers. Okay, let's come back to the selection now. So I, I'd be lying to you if I said I'm not disappointed. Of course I'm disappointed, because I had a different set of expectations. But I'm not despairing, I'm not saddened, and I'm not discouraged either. I'm not discouraged because I realize we are trying to move an entire country of 333 million people culturally, politically, spiritually, and folks, that's not an easy task. That's not something that's going to happen overnight. And it's not something that's likely to happen in one election. I think the Democrats were afraid of that, which is why they started talking all this, the end of democracy as we know it nonsense. To scare people into thinking a vote for a Republican may be a vote to end our freedom and our democracy. I mean, just, just, just demagoguery, just rank demagoguery to the hilt. I mean, it's, 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 it's sad that they, would, that they would do that. But then, of course, they have no morals. They have no compunctions. They have no, they have no uh, uh, spiritual restraints on them because they reject God. They reject truth. And so they can say anything they want to say. The truth is, they're the threat to our constitutional republic for a whole variety of reasons that I've talked about before. But let's talk then about this election. Here's the first thing I want to say to you. You, you have to remember this and, 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 and take this outcome that we're seeing, this, this very non-decisive outcome in this context. Conservative candidates, Christian candidates, Republican candidates don't simply run against their opponent and don't simply run against the Democrat Party. They run against the mainstream media. They run against the entertainment industry. They run against colleges and universities. They run against the corporate world now. They run against the government so-called public schools that are indoctrinating young people, preparing them when they vote to vote leftist. All of these cultural forces are working against us. So we Christian conservatives are swimming upstream 
the current is going against us. You see? So it's not that we're in a, a, a neutral pond or lake where it's just our opponent and us fighting it out. No, 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 no. Our opponent is being moved by the current of the culture and the whole current of the culture is moving against us. So when we see victories like what happened in Florida, we ought to be absolutely overwhelmed and full of joy unspeakable. Because if you look at where we are culturally as a nation, it's amazing that we win at all. But we do, thank God, we do. By the grace of God and the decency and the goodwill of the American people, many of whom see exactly what is going on, about half of whom see exactly what is going on, we're getting victories. But you have to remember that our opposition is not simply the political party or the, the political opponent. Our opposition is the entire cultural apparatus that supports the Democrat Party worldview uh, and, is, and supports their candidates. Okay? So that's, that's number one. Keep that in mind. So therefore, the fact that we will end up, I believe, still believe we will end up winning the House and perhaps taking the Senate is an astounding achievement in that context. So we should not be discouraged. We should be encouraged by it. But this is why I tell you that we need an awakening, that the ultimate answer to what ails us is not political. We must be politically engaged, and you all know that I am. We must be. I mean, we, my, my, my PAC spent a lot of money advertising in Pennsylvania, Virginia, North Carolina, Georgia, Ohio, trying to help these candidates. I said we bought over a thousand ads. So I'm very much engaged. I'm raising money and spending it to try to move the needle. And I really believe we did. In fact, the exit polls are showing that we went from 18% from, that is from 8% black support for Republican candidates in 2018 to 17%. Now, I know that may, 17% may not seem like much, folks, but that's, that's double. Imagine if we can double that in the next two years or four years. Now we're talking 34%. And I think that's the way things are moving. We've gone from Democrats receiving... 31% more support in the Hispanic community than Republicans to in this 2022 election, Democrats receiving only 5% more from the Hispanic community than Republicans. I mean, that margin has been narrowed to almost nothing. So this is the direction in which things are moving. It's remarkable that we, achieve, or we are achieving this with all the cultural forces arrayed against us. It's remarkable. And we should, we should be glad. We should, we should rejoice. We should, we should thank God that this is happening. Remember, when George Washington fought the Revolutionary War, he lost more battles than he won. 
but he persevered because he knew that he was on the right side and he believed by his faith in God that he had to prevail ultimately, and he did. We will prevail. We will prevail. But this is why I say that we need and need to pray for an awakening, which I believe has already begun. I believe this is, I've said, it's not full-blown yet, but these are the signs of an awakening. We see the seedlings of a great forest, a great, uh, just a, a, a great harvest that is coming. We see the seedlings of it. And we need to be praying for the full-blown awakening, the full-blown outpouring of God's spirit, the proclamation of God's word is truth that just captures the imagination, captures the hearts and minds of the people of this country. And by the way, uh, well, I'm, I'm getting a little bit of ahead of myself, but I'll say this, which is why the next president of the United States must be not only a political leader, but must be a cultural leader. Because if we don't win the cultural battle, we're going to lose the political battle. Because the cultural battle is really the spiritual battle. And if we don't win that battle, we're going to lose the political battle. And in fact, just to, to deal with some of these races, that's why you ask yourself, how in the world could half the people of Wisconsin vote for Mandela Barnes. I mean, the man's a communist. Well, he is. I mean, I'm not talking about a card-carrying member of the Communist Party, but he's a Marxist in his thinking. And yet half the people of Wisconsin voted for that fool. How? Because they're indoctrinated to think the same way he thinks. You could ask the same question about Fetterman. I mean, Fetterman is a full, Fetterman is a full-blown Marxist. And this is this is the guy who runs around talking about his first his first priority is to release all of the the the, the convicted murderers with life without the possibility of parole. That's that's his top priority to release them, release them, put them back out on the street. Really? That's your first priority. That's your number one thing. Well, I'm sure you all know, you've heard me say it, and probably know it anyway. Karl Marx, Marxism does not believe in prisons. They believe that prisons should be emptied. And so does Fetterman. How in the world does he win a United States Senate race? Because more than half the people apparently in Pennsylvania are brainwashed, indoctrinated, educated to think the same way he thinks. Now, I realize Oz was not the best candidate. He had his flaws. He had his problems, one of which was that people identified him with New Jersey, not Pennsylvania. That wasn't good. The other is that conservatives were iffy about him, the feeling that he's not sort of a Johnny-come-lately to conservatism, that he's not really conservative, that he's kind of made himself conservative. So he, he wasn't the best candidate, and I've heard people also say, I don't know the man personally, but I've heard people also say he's not warm, he's not friendly, he's not attractive, you know, as a person, somebody people want to be around or gravitate to. So 
Fetterman walking around with his hoodie on and the tattoos. I mean, I just, man, I, I grew up in Pennsylvania and I just, I'm, I am shocked. I really am. I'm shocked at the people of Pennsylvania. And you know the first words out of his mouth? We jam them up. I mean, you know, street talk. We jam them up. What does that mean? And it just sounds like, sounds like a thug who robbed somebody. We jam them up. Well, you know, of course, we know that when one of his elections as Mayor Braddock, he, he campaigns, he spelled Braddock the way the, way, uh, the Crips spelled Braddock, to identify with the Crips, right? The violent, murderous, bloodthirsty, drug-dealing gang. He wanted to identify with them and get the Crips vote. And yet the people of Pennsylvania voted for this man, not to mention his physical problems right now, his health problems. And here again, I have the utmost sympathy and empathy for John Fetterman. He's a human being. I don't hate the man. And I don't want anybody to be suffering from uh, the problems of a stroke or anybody to have a stroke. Uh, so I don't, I don't glory in that in any way. But the reality of it is, how can you do the job of a United States senator when you can't even string two sentences together? See, my view is, go home and rest. Go home and recuperate. Get yourself together. And then go run for office after you're healed and whole and well and you can speak properly. Who knows what's going to happen with this? Who knows how he's going to fare trying to meet the rigors of the United States Senate? The travel, the speaking, the who knows how that's going to work out. I mean, here again, I don't have any ill will toward the man and want anything bad to happen to him at all. I just don't think like that. I don't want that. That's ungodly. But I don't want him serving in the United States Senate for, 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 for both reasons. The reason that his, his ideological perspective to me is perverse and wicked and twisted and evil. And then his health situation is not conducive to the rigors of serving as a United States senator. And yet, the majority of people in Pennsylvania, the majority of the voters voted for him. I don't, that, that one is a puzzle to me. Same thing is true with Raphael Warnock. Raphael Warnock is a confirmed Marxist. As far as I'm concerned, he calls himself a pro-choice pastor. Actually, he's an anti-God pastor. I mean, the man's a hoax. He's a fraud, a pastor. He's not, as to quote Tony Dungy, well, he may be a pastor, but he's not a Christian. And I'm absolutely convinced that he's not a Christian. I mean, he's running around promoting abortion and homosexuality and, and of course, rubber stamping everything Biden wants to do. And Biden is just as crooked in the real sense, crooked and twisted and wicked as well as he can be. When people are propagandized to think the same way these kinds of candidates think, they're all part of the same system, voting for them seems right and good and normal because they don't see how wicked and twisted and perverse they are and how bad they are for our constitutional republic because they don't respect it. Fetterman, Warnock, 
Mandela Barnes, they don't respect our Constitution. They don't res respect the United States of America. They don't think well of our country. They don't even like America. I can say that boldly and without apology. These guys don't even like America. Are you kidding me? They don't even like this country. They're in office to upend it. But people who voted for them think it needs to be upended. I mean, I saw one interview with one woman saying, I voted on the issue of abortion. In other words, I don't care about inflation. I don't care about high energy prices. I don't care about crime. I don't care about the borders being invaded. All I care about is the ability to kill an unborn baby. That's what's most important to me. Don't take away that ritual right, the right to kill an unborn baby. That's the most important thing in life. If you're indoctrinated to believe that nonsense, of course you're going to vote for a Warnock or a Fetterman um, or, or whomever. So here's the second thing I want to say. Man, I, wow, I'm almost out of time. Um, well, let me, I'll squeeze these things in. Whenever the left starts talking about things like the end of our democracy and, and abortion that we know can be emotionally charged issues, the Republicans have got to respond. You can't, you can't say, well, nobody cares about that. No, you've got to act like you think people do care about it and respond to it. Get right back on message but respond to it. So this end of democracy stuff, they should have said, wait, wait, end of democracy? We revere the Constitution. You all are the ones who don't. You all are the ones who hate the Founding Fathers, hate the Declaration, hate the Constitution of the United States. We revere those documents. You all are the ones who, during COVID, acted like tyrants, wanted to shut everybody down and lock everybody down and force everybody to have a vac the so-called vaccine and didn't want to give anybody any choice as to what, to do, as to what they should be doing. You all are the ones who want 87,000 IRS agents combing through people's uh, 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 tax returns. And you want to say voting for us is the end of democracy? First of all, we're a constitutional republic, and you all don't respect the Constitution. And if there's any threat to our liberty, any threat to our freedom, any threat to the democratic system that we have, you all are, all are the threat. But instead, they oh, nobody's, nobody's concerned about that. Well, people obviously were concerned about it because a lot of people said in the exit polls that that was an issue for them. And the same thing is true of abortion. Instead of being backed into a corner over supporting abortion, we ought to raise the issue. Well, you, you all are the ones who think that a baby can be aborted right up to the moment before it's born. You all are the ones who are saying that even a baby born alive, it was intended to be abortion, you can still kill it. And no, I'm not for that. And I don't think most of the American people are for that. Nobody's interested in putting, in, nobody's interested in putting women in jail. But my goodness, you, when you go that far, it, says, it suggests that you are an extremist who has absolutely no, no regard whatsoever for a baby. None. Because what's the difference between one minute before birth and one minute after birth? And most people don't believe this stuff. Well, it's not a baby till it's born because women are carrying a baby. They know it. They're talking to it. They're, they're feeling him. They're touching her. They, they know that there's a baby inside them. 
Last thing I say is this. Black, Hispanic, minority voters are moving in the Republican direction, and that is a good thing, something we can be encouraged by. I already talked about that. But we need a president who can knit all this stuff together, reach out to these minority voters in a way that, frankly, in my view, the Republican Party has not done effectively. I mean, they just haven't. You know, putting up a black candidate is great. I applaud that if the person's qualified, if the person's capable. But that's not the same as reaching out to the black community. Because a lot of the, what the black politicians are going to say is, oh, that person's a sellout, that person's an Oreo, that per I mean, they'll say all kinds of nasty things about them and try to marginalize that person. You got to go into these communities and see people face to face. You got to campaign there. You got to deal with the objections to being a Republican. You got to confront those things and hammer away at it and never relent, never quit. I think part of the reason why we're seeing movement in the black community is because of the work I've been doing for now over a decade of telling black Christians particularly over and over and over and over and over again, you cannot vote for these Democrats. They're against everything you say you believe. They're against everything you espouse. They're against your God. They're against your Bible. They're against your church. And they tolerate you only because they need your vote. And I think it's taking. I think if we hadn't done the work we did in Georgia, I think Herschel Walker would be done. And we were the only ones doing it. I'm talking about the specific work of going after minority voters. We're the only ones who were doing it. Republican Party and Republicans in general, donors in general, have got to make up their minds, and thank God I've got some but not enough, that they're going to donate to making sure that there is outreach specifically targeting the black and minority communities. It is a worthwhile, cost-effective investment. And you can't get most establishment Republicans to see that. I said, when these races are close, peeling away black voters could make a difference. Well, it doesn't get closer than Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnick, 49% to 49%. Imagine if I'd had two, three, four times as much as I had to spend in Georgia targeting the black community. I think it could have made the difference. I think it could have made the difference. Nevertheless, we have what we have. We're going to work with that. I trust when I come back tomorrow, we will know, we will confirm that the Republicans have taken over the House and uh, probably confirmed that there's going to be a runoff for the Georgia Senate election. And we're going to be deep in that. We're going to be deep in that to make sure that Herschel Walker goes to the United States Senate and not Raphael Warnock, who, again, is a Marxist. But, of course, he didn't run that way. But that's what he is. That's going to do it for today, folks. Listen, so be encouraged. Let me pray for you before I go. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that the spirit of joy and peace and love would be upon your people in spite of a lackluster performance of uh, Republicans and conservatives and Christians in this election, that we would know that you are on the throne, that you can't be voted off, and because of you we have victory, because this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. 
And this is the joy we have because you've given it to us and the peace we have because you've given it to us and the world can't take it away and election can't take it away. Nobody can take it away. And so, Lord, help us to have the strength to know that we live to fight another day. And we thank you and we praise you for ultimate victory on earth and in heaven because your word says your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we believe you for that, Father, and we give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Stand up, step up, speak up, refuse to back up, because we cannot be defeated if we will not quit.